Uh, we're continuing today with our Alive series where we um, are looking at the question of who I am and why I am. And um, all the previous messages are online, a lot of them are on video. Um, but last time we were in the building, we had Sheridan Rogers come in. And were most of you here for that? Um, great message. Um, and he spoke from John 10.10. So, just next slide, Jackson. And the, the John 10, 10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And look, if you haven't seen the message, it's available online. But he basically looked at that abundant life, the life to the full. He said, live a big life. And I thought I'd um, also speak a little bit about this um, slide. And But I'm going to start from the beginning of the verse. And that's, how do we stop the thief? So anyway, if you guys know there's a thief prowling about in the neighbourhood, what, what ways are there to stop the thief? So um, anyone got any ideas? How do you stop a thief from getting your stuff? You could ring the cops, yes. What else? What, what was? Burglar bars. Oh, yes. Okay, yep. So, what was that? A rock wheeler, a guard dog. That's, that's one I did think of. I didn't think of burglar bars. Yes, Druanne. Neighbourhood watch. That's excellent. Excellent. What else? Lock your doors and windows. A gun. Yeah. Well, what, what other things can you do to stop a thief coming? Sorry, what was... What, what? Leave the lights on. Yep, that's a good one. Having a sign that you could have got an alarm, yep. You can pr pray. Very good. Awesome. Yep, um, you, you guys certainly thought of some that I didn't. Um, but anyway, let's, uh, let's move on. Um, so the first thing I thought was, well, one way of stopping the thief is to actually have something not worth stealing. So we'll show the picture. So that is a Daihatsu Sirion. That was my wife's last car. And did you love that car, Deborah? No, she hated it. It's ugly. Oh, it's even uglier on the inside. Um, it's a manual, which she hated, and it just, what, oh, gutless. It, it was just a very basic car. Um, but, you know, that may work with cars, but with our lives, and with the, it's actually not an option. If we read Luke 12, 24, um, it says this, Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? And so what it's saying is it doesn't matter what you think of yourself or, you know, a lot of people think this, this is an option. Oh, there's nothing, you know, I'm not important, but God thinks that you're important. So much so he sent Jesus to die on the cross. So, you know, do not undervalue yourself. Your worth is more than you can ever know. He says here, you know, he, he feeds the ravens, he feeds little birds, and you're much more important. So as far as stopping the thief goes, this isn't an option, even though lots of people think it is. 
So uh, the next one I thought what you can do to stop a thief is to occupy something. So we'll put the picture up. And so this is my friend's cat. That's actually the same car. That's our little Daihatsu. And we used to visit my friend and this cat when it was a kitten, name's Freddie, um, he used to jump in the car and of course no one's going to steal a car with a guard cat in there or if you're in the car no one's going to steal it so occupy um, that and this is actually the number one way we can do so if we read Revelations um, 3.20 it says this and this is about Jesus. And so if Jesus is occupying our life, the thief isn't going to come in and steal and through. So Revelation 3.20 says this, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with this person and they will with me. So, you know, there's an invitation there from Jesus that, if he comes into our lives that, you know, and he's knocking at all of our doors. So that's the number one way we can stop the thief by asking Jesus into our hearts. Um, and we all need Jesus. Um, now, what about people like um, most of you here will know Jesus already? And if you don't, I'll give you an opportunity in. But what about people that you don't, that know they don't know Jesus yet? What, because there's things we can do for them. So if we, Pull the next slide and the picture. You know, if we, a guard dog, and I think that was an option for stopping the thief that somebody came up. And this was my work ute, actually. I jumped out of the ute, got back to it, and these two dogs had um, decided to, to occupy it. Okay. And I, I put for this one here that, you know, intercessory prayer is um, something we can do. We can pray for others. Might, there might be people we know that don't yet know Jesus or they don't or have a situation where they need protection, they need angels, they need something looking out for them. Um, and the story I've got for this is from Acts chapter 12. And if we read verse uh, 1, it says it's about persecution of the church. Now, about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass someone from the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. So, um, yeah, so that's uh, the persecution is starting in the church, and one of the apostles is actually being killed. So that's James. Now, there's two James in the New Testament, and one was James, the brother of John. The other was James, the brother of Jesus. And if it's early in the story, it's the first James. If it's later in the story and the epistles, it's the later one. But then the next is Peter was therefore kept in prison. This is verse 5. But constant prayer was offered to him by the church. So, yeah, so the church is there. They're praying. They're praying for Peter because, um, you know, he's in this situation. Um, doesn't look good for him. Looks like a hopeless situation, in fact, um, seeing what's already happened. But constant prayer was offered by the church. And then if we go to verse 7, Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by and shone a light in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up and saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off, and the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. So he did. And he said to him, Put on a garment to follow me. So he went out and followed him. And he did not know what was done by the angel was real. But he thought he was seeing a vision. 
When they were past the first and the second guard post, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them on its own accord, and they went out down one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. So prayer works, doesn't it? Yeah. So you can, you know, there's, we can always pray into a situation. That's a good way of uh, stopping the enemy um, from, you know, stopping the faith coming. So that's that story in Acts 12, prayer. Uh, what else? If we just click a couple of clicks, we can hide things in the photo. So that's the same car. <laughs> Tree fell down. Of course, uh, we couldn't claim insurance because there was zero damage. Um, but, you know, we can hide. And when I was looking at hiding things, in fact, there's, I've got a story. I actually used this technique to stop a faith last week in that we had a wedding to go to in Taronga, and my brother was going to fly into Taronga, hire a car in Taronga. Flight got cancelled, so he could only fly into Hamilton. I said, well, you can borrow my spare car. But I had to get my car to the airport and leave it there. Uh, my wife had actually banned me from cycling that morning. She said, no, you're not cycling this Saturday morning. We've got a, a, a wedding on, um, so you want, you know, we want to get ready for that. Anyway, my mate cycled past the airport on a Saturday morning loop, and I needed to leave the car there. So I saw what I thought was a great loophole. So I took my car to the airport and hid the key, got a piece of blue cat, hid the key behind the wheel. Okay, so, and um, yeah, my brother came, found the key where it was hidden, but you know, had I, you know, so that's a way that we can use to hide from the natural faith. But what about spiritually? How can we hide things spiritually? Well, well if we read the last um, story about Peter, he was hidden, and the prayers of others um, helped hide him. But um, if we look at a verse about being hidden in Christ, we can't go past. Um, Colossians 3, 2 and 3, which says this, Set your minds on things above, not earthly things. For you died, sorry, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So there's a, there's a key here. It's, um, if you, and it's found in verse 2. Set your mind on things above, not earthly things. And for you died and your life is now hidden in Christ. So if you set your mind on things above, you can hide in Christ. You will be hidden in him. And the thief can't find you if you're hidden in Christ. So let's go back to another prison for a Bible story. And this Bible story is found in Acts 16. And it's a story of Paul and Silas. They were preaching the word of God and they, people got upset about that. And so they put them in prison. And verse 24, Acts 16 says this, Having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. And now, in that seemingly hopeless situation, so they'd been arrested, their feet were bound up, they were right in the innermost part of the prison, no chance of escape. But what did they do? Did they look around them? They look at their circumstances? No, they actually chose to worship. They set their mind on the things above. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing, singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's chains were loosed. 
And so as they worshipped, as they set their mind on the things above rather than on the things around them, God was able to, you know, provide a great miracle and free them from that situation. Um, that as they worshipped, you know, they were hidden in Christ and he was able to protect them from the thing that the enemy had for them and that they were released that night. But not only were they released, um, there was salvation came to the prison, if you get to the... Um, not the prison, the, um, the guard, if you read the whole story in Acts 16. So that's um, hiding valuables um, or hiding in Christ. Okay, what other things? Well, one of the things we mentioned here was a lock and a picture there. So, and we use that all the time. We, we lock our cars. I, we Actually, we'd never put them in the door anymore because they've just got buttons on the side. But for the sake of the photo, I've looked at it. And I'm, I'm thinking, well, how does this relate spiritually? How does a lock relate spiritually? And so I was searching through the Bible and came, and I really couldn't get past Matthew 16, 19, which says this. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And I got to that scripture and I thought, gosh, do I understand that? Uh, you know, it's, a, it's one that there's a bit of confusion around, um, but I thought I'd better look into it more because it really does speak about locking and unlocking because it's, um, you know, what do you use a lock for? You use a lock to bind things up, and then when you unlock a lock, you free things. And it speaks, and when I look into it further, it speaks a lot about spiritual authority, Okay, and then also it's also a commonly used scripture about and used in spiritual warfare too. Um, people bind demons and loose them, and, and I just looked into it more and like, and I want to just discuss that a little bit more. So the original context wasn't so much spiritual warfare, but about spiritual authority. But however, it can be used in spiritual warfare as well. So what does it mean? What does it mean by binding something up Well, it, and, and loosing something? Well, to bind something up means that you forbid it. You don't allow it. And to loose something means that you permit it. So it's, it's actually be better said that whatever you don't allow on earth, you know, I won't allow in heaven, and whatever I allow in, on earth, uh, or whatever you allow on earth, I'll allow in heaven. So I thought, well, let's look at this, an example of this actually being done in the Bible. So if we go to Acts chapter 15, there's quite a big um, quite a contention over circumcision because the Jews had this um, tradition of circumcision, which is quite painful, sounds, um, yeah, but cutting the foreskins off. Um, and they were having all these Gentile believers come in and there was, well, do they need to be circumcised? Um, so what they did is they had a council. The church leaders got together and discussed this issue. And in Acts 15, verse 28, they said, um, well, no, you don't. You, you don't. And they wrote this letter to the churches. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit 
and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things, that you abstain from foods offered to idols, from blood and from strangled things and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourself free from these, you will do well. So what they're saying is circumcision is okay um, because, you know, we consulted the Holy Spirit and, and together, and we've come to this conclusion, you don't need to be circumcised. Hallelujah. Make altar calls, um, you know, or make um, coming to Christ cost a little bit more if they, if they hadn't. But look, God honoured that decision. And had that council come to a different conclusion, as I say, um, things would be different. So, but they did. But, but if you notice there, one of the things they said was you are to abstain from foods offered to idols. So therefore, I didn't need to get circumcised, but I couldn't um, go out to the butcher and buy some meat um, because it might have been offered to an idol. And that became an issue to the church later on because um, people would, you know, they wouldn't know what had happened to that meat. So there was another council... Uh, which is not recorded in scripture, but the church leaders would have discussed this. And then, because we find later in Corinthians, it says this, Corinthians 10, 25 and 26, eat whatever is sold in the meat market, asking no questions for conscience' sake. For the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. So here you've got another example. So back when they first did the... Um, when they talked about circumcision, eating meat, you know, that you didn't know where it was from or possibly sacrificed from an idol was a sin, you know. But then the church had decided, well, actually, this is too much of an issue and you, you need to read Corinthian, 1 Corinthians 10 to get the full context. Um, so they were then allowed, they'd loosed it, they'd allowed you to eat meat without good conscience. So that's an, a, a biblical example of how you see the spiritual authority of binding and loosing at work. Okay. Well, um, as I say, it can be used for spiritual warfare as well, because if you are, I guess, binding a unclean spirit, you're forbidding it to, you know, take authority. And if you're freeing somebody from that situation, so absolutely can be used at spiritual warfare as well. So I hope that enlightens you a little bit more about the power we have in Christ and the spiritual authority we have. Um, and which is the lock in stopping the faith. And, you know, we've got to be aware that we actually do carry spiritual authority into situations. So if you find yourself in a situation where things aren't going well, you can pray, you can pray into it. And, and I've, there's many testimonies of people going into situations and, and bringing that spiritual authority um, and changing the atmosphere of where they go in. So, Hallelujah. So that's a lock. What's next? A gun. Oh, sorry, Bronwyn. I didn't, uh, I didn't actually include guns. Oh, no, no. Yeah. So, no. Next on my list is security cam. It's a, a security system. And what I've got for that is a first bit of a security system is a camera. What are cameras good for? What's it? Proof. Oh, yeah, they got, after the fact, you can do that. Well, I, I've got that. I shouldn't ask questions because people answer different to what I'm actually going to say. 
Farah. Yeah, um, I've got security system is good because you can see who you're letting in. You know, if you're, um, or yeah, a peephole on your door would do the same. Um, and scripture I found for this is Philippians 4 verse 8. Finally, brethren, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good report, if, any, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. And so what it does is just look at what you're letting into your life. You know, be careful what you're allowed to speak in your life. So what should be the primary influence on your life? It should be the Word of God. It should be reading the Bible um, and seeing if things measure up for that. So let the Word of God be the thing that guides you. So don't dwell so much on Twitter or Facebook or Reddit. Don't let those be the main things that you see influencing your life. Yes, you can look at them, but don't let them be the primary influence. Let the Word of God be the primary thing that influences you. Uh, another part of a security system um, is, the, um, is an alarm. So what does an alarm do? Yeah, it scares people away. Okay. Also makes a lot of noise. And what else makes noise is our tongue. So I wanted to include this because it's part of a life. Because if we read Proverbs um, 18, 20, and 21, from the fruit of their mouth, the stomach is filled, and with the harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. The tongue has a power of life of death, and those who love it, eat its fruit. So we've really got to be careful about what we're saying, that in actual fact, what we say over ourselves, what we say over other people is, um, is powerful, and we've got to declare life and, um, you know, and life over ourselves and declare the things of God over ourselves. So there's real power in that. And Proverbs 15.4 says this, the soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. So, yeah, the tongue is really um, important. You know, what you say makes a, a big difference to circumstances and situations. Um, and so, yeah, the, the power of life and death is in our tongue. And our neighborhood watch is the next thing I put. And... Um, and as I say, we need each other. Uh, we can't do it alone. Uh, we need to be looking out for each other. If someone's in need, we need to support them. If someone needs prayer, we need to pray for them. Uh, Genesis 2.18 says this, Then the Lord God, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper for them. And in Hebrews 10.24, Let us consider how to stir up one another in good works not neglecting to meet together as a habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. So we need to, we need each other. Uh, we need to support each other. So just looking at the different ways we can stop a faith, and sorry, Bronwyn, no guns so far, but I couldn't find a, I thought about them, but I couldn't find a spiritual analogy, but I'm sure there's one somewhere. 
Uh, but just going back, you know, we uh, neighbourhood watch. We need to look after each other. We need to look out for each other. You know, we need to be careful how we use our tongue. Um, you know, it makes a noise, but that can be for good or bad. We need to use that camera of our lives to see what we're letting in and to see whether it lines up with the Word of God. You know, the lock, this, we've got to be aware of the spiritual authority we have um, um, over it, over things. Uh, we can hide in Christ. As we set our mind above, as we worship God and set our mind on things above, we are hidden in Christ. You know, we can pray for others. Um, that intercessory prayer and prayer is a good way of stopping the faith. And finally, um, what we started with is that we need Jesus to occupy our life. So I just want to make an invitation here. I just want people to close their eyes and look if there's anyone here that hasn't um, accepted Christ or hasn't asked Jesus into their life. You know, just um, nod to me or um, give a thing and then we'll pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Anyway. Okay. Well, Lord, we do thank you that you are good, Lord, and, Lord, that you came to give us life and life to the abundance. And we just pray that, um, Lord, that we would um, know you, Lord, and that have you in our hearts, um, that you would be able to keep the feet out, Lord. Just pray your blessing over us.